The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. How much free will are we given when we die? Do folks often experience getting a choice to come back? And how far can we go on the other side and still come back to our body? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Chris Devlin lives in Anchorage with his wife, Joan. He's a family nurse practitioner and spent many years working with the Alaska Tribal Health System. He currently considers himself semi-retired. His NDE-like experience in 1974 changed his life then and continues to today. He's taught numerous college courses relating to death, grief, and healing, and he is a longtime Course in Miracles student and is currently working on developing a sustainable, cooperative retirement housing model. Chris, welcome to NDE Radio. Good morning, Lee. Good to, good to have you all the way from Alaska. Yeah, it's uh, early here. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it is. Chris, tell us what caused your NDE and what happened during the experience. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I don't know what caused it, Lee. Um, that was always, you know, I, I, uh, again, it happened before the term NDE was coined. Uh, you know, Moody wrote his book in 75 and this, this happened in 74. And, um, so I, I, I don't, there was no physical cause. That's why I, I, I uh, call it NDE-like because, um, you know, uh, many people, uh, feel that to have an NDE, you know, you have to have um, some kind of clinical death. But uh, anyway, I was just I was just laying there on the bed and um, uh, felt my body uh, become all energized and and just uh, uh, I was I was like sleeping. I was re- resting. I was just dozing off, and I felt my whole body become energized and uh, and then uh, you know came came out of my body. Uh, like your like a classic out of body experience. Yes, and, um, and so I, I should preface this uh, story a little bit, Lee, uh, uh, with uh, it, my first out of body experience I had in '72, about two years earlier than that. And uh, okay, um, I was uh, uh, working in upstate New York in Corning, and uh, after the Susquehanna River flooded, and and had, sharing an apartment with a, a roommate and. Uh, um, and uh, I felt this same, this same um, kind of uh, bursting of energy of the body, and, and I, I felt my body come off the bed. I, I didn't know. I didn't have the language then of etheric body and astral body, that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I really thought my body was floating three feet off the bed. And um, I'm returning and looking at the wall, and, um, and I could see through the wall, through the next wall, all the way to the kitchen. And, and there was my roommate, Tom, and he was lighting a cigar on the stove, and um, and then he sat down and picked up a book, and then he walked right by my open door, and I'm yelling, Tom, Tom, look at me. I'm floating in the air. He, he stroked his beard a couple times in the bathroom and then went into his room, and when he laid down on his bed, all of a sudden the wall closed in, and I couldn't see it anymore. And mm. and, um, and, and, and the wallpaper kind of strode towards me, and then it kind of turned into this... Uh, uh, image and picture of a 
somebody that kind of looked like Jesus. And uh, and at the time, I was kind of um, uh, against uh, religion and stuff, and uh, so I was in my mind, I'm saying, well, it could be somebody else with long hair in a robe. And and, um, and, and the guy just kind of looked at me and, and, and uh, uh, kind of showed me the, um, uh, the symbol of the Sacred Heart, and, and I said, oh, geez, it is him, and I got scared. And, um, and and as soon as I got afraid, um, I, I was on the bed again, and the experience ended. And I, I learned something from that over time, that um, fear stops spiritual experience. And, and whenever you have a, uh, a kind of experience, spiritual experience that you um, interpret through the lens of fear, um, it, its meaning uh, gets a little perverse to some extent. So anyway, I... I, I jumped up and I ran to the next room. I said, "Tom, Tom, didn't you hear me calling you?" And he goes, "No, you were sleeping on the bed." And, and um, I said, "No, I wasn't." And I told him everything he did, and he like looked at me shocked. Like he goes, "That's exactly what I did." I said, "Yeah, I was watching you." And uh, so anyway, it this uh, things happened after that, and um, um, uh, things fell into place very quickly. Meeting people, and and I got turned on to uh, uh, Ram Dass's "Be Here Now" book, and. And um, mm. and left shortly thereafter to do a long time of uh, meditation and and really uh, uh, learning about all this stuff, astral body, uh, things of this nature. And um, uh, uh, and and so when the second experience happened, and and I felt the same coming out of my body, then I knew it wasn't my physical body coming off the bed. I knew I had the. Uh, understanding then of astral body and stuff so this was like the second out of body and now i'm i'm in my room kind of looking around and i remember going over towards the window and as i got to the window i said uh i said to myself whatever you do chris do not let fear enter here but you know and and um uh i remember leaning my head towards the window and kind of seeing the etheric head go through the window, if you will. And now I'm out in the outside the parking lot people and stuff and, and I took off from there. And uh and 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 kind of flew for a while over some woods and stuff and and finally uh made a turn kinda of out to the stars if you will and off in the distance was the, the classic the, the classic way. And um, should I just continue on with the experience? Yes, sure. Yeah, so anyway, as I as I'm going towards this light, uh uh, you know, the all the things people have written and, and talked about, it was it was um it was just wonderful. There was so much love and you just I was just kind of attracted to it and as I'm going towards it, I had a pretty much a, a complete life review. I got to see all my interactions, um, uh, uh, you know, through the other person's eyes, kind of looking out at me, feeling what they're feeling as I said something disrespectful to them, you know. I got, you know, little snippets of my life kind of played back, but looking at it, not just from a, a, you know, like watching a a video or something, but also at the same time, I remember a couple of people behind their eyes looking out at me, interacting with them, feeling what they feel as I said something um, you know, disrespectful or something. So, uh, you know, if if we can experience ourselves through another's eyes, feeling what they they feel, you know, how how separate are we? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so after a while of this, uh, I think I saw just about every situation in my life. But uh, uh, 
after after that kind of passed and uh, um, uh, and and I, I moved on uh, to another place. I, I should say though that one of the things that struck me about the life review is that here's all these things that um, I did to people that were kind of not nice sometimes, and and yet he was, I was always being bathed in this uh, sense of forgiveness, as if as if nothing really happened, as if nothing was could possibly separate me from this unconditional love that was uh, bathing me and, and surrounding me. And, and, uh, um, and uh, you know, I was amazed that, uh, you know, even despite all these, you know, things that I had done, uh, uh, nothing really um, mattered. Uh, there was nothing that could possibly uh, separate me from the, the love of this light, this light that I saw as a manifestation of God. And then I moved into this newer zone, which I, I, I uh, have adopted some of these uh, places, this, this all-knowing place, you know, this, uh, I think somebody referred to it as that, but it really had access to all knowledge and all history. And, and I asked some questions. What I found is I had to actually formulate a question. It just wasn't, information wasn't just provided there, but if I could kind of formulate a question, uh, the answer was readily apparent. And uh, so I asked some questions about science, and and I I asked some about history. There's there's two I'll share, you know, because I was so amazed at this uh, this uh, forgiveness that just uh, you know transcended anything that could possibly come up. I, you know, I, I remember asking, well, what about Hitler? You know, as if as if you know, there's a good one. You know, how how is that going to be okay? But even even Hitler was was uh, was fine. It was it was not something that could possibly uh, uh, darken God, could, could, could affect you know, God's love. And, you know, it, everything was shown how everything had to be just the way it was. And, uh, and, um, and I remember thinking, well, what else can I ask? What else can I ask? And, um, and so uh, uh, it dawned on me that, you know, uh, during, after my first experience, Lee, I, you know, I, I was talking to a lot of people about how, uh, you know, this, what I was learning was that God was not like I had learned in my Catholic upbringing. It was, it, you know, it was not this uh, uh, dispenser of a, a scale that, you know, struck you down and cast you, you know, in the depths of hell or anything. It, I was, I was learning, you know, God was, was different. And, um, and so, but, you know, you always hear the fundamentalists banging on the, the desk saying, you know, unless you believe in the name of Jesus, you can't be saved, and that kind of uh, polarizing uh, uh, patent on God, and, yes. uh, you know, the exclusive rights domain. And, and so I I said, I have one more, and it was almost like the light, like God was like like saying, I can't believe you're going to ask me this, because the light kind of knows, like, what you're going to what you're going to ask, and and and, and uh I said, yeah, but I kind of have to get it on record here because uh, I've struggled with it so long. I, you know, and and so I asked, what about the Hindus, the Muslims, the Buddhists? What about everybody else? And the answer was very clear that everyone's okay. And and so at that point, I kind of left that place of of all knowledge and all knowing, and um, and uh, and 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 proceeded closer to the light and. Uh, in your opening, Lee, you mentioned about the choice to, to come back, and I know lots of people have, have, have asked that. Um, it's funny, uh, my mind wasn't really put to me like a choice, but in a, in a way it, it was. I was asked 
if I wanted to die? And I said, yes, yes, I do, because, you know, it's so much better over there than it is here. Mm-hmm. And um, and so uh, it was told to me, kind of revealed to me, if you will, um, not in words, you know, but in that kind of thought transfer thing, the, uh, uh, the, um, what I had to do to uh, die, to what I had to do. And, and I was at, uh, you know, I quickly was showing a scene of a funeral and my family crying and everyone's upset. And I looked at him for a second and, and, uh, I said, oh, that's okay. They'll, they'll understand. They'll be here soon enough where they'll know why I made the decision I made. And so I said, yeah, I, I want to go. And then I wanted to go. And, and, and so I was told that what I had to do was take in this unconditional love coming from, from the light. Take it in like a, a a big inhale, if you will, and just just bring it right into my whole uh, uh, spirit, my whole being, etheric being. Just bring it in like a big inhale, and then give it all back. And so, as I was doing this thing of bringing in the love and giving it all back, I started to kind of merge into the light, and it's uh, it was. Um, it was something that when when I was going through all the other places, the life review and and the place of knowledge and stuff, um, I still had like my arms and legs and my etheric body, if you will. I was still Chris in kind of like a spirit form, mm-hmm. and uh, and but as I started giving back the love, a hundred percent to the light, just bringing and giving back this unconditional love, my I started disappearing and. And, and Lee, I, I know I've shared this story before with you, but it's a, uh, it was a funny thing because uh, I was watching my arms and legs kind of like disappearing. And, and uh, I was like, uh, my biggest thought was, you know, what about my gonads? You know, how, um, <laughs> how, how, how is one going to have sex in heaven if you don't have any, any you know, body parts? And so uh, I know it, it sounds terrible, you know, and the... Uh, the near-death uh, holy uh, discussions, but uh, basically I I was trying to figure out a way to get part of me <laughs> into heaven. You know, take my arms, <laughs> take my legs, but I'm bringing this with me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, so, uh, uh, and so what I did was I tried to kind of like fake out God, if you will, sneak him in. And, <laughs> and so what, what happened was uh, what I found was if I took in all this love but didn't give it all back. If I withheld a little bit for me, like in my back pocket, if I, if I withheld a little bit of love, you know, I might be able to sneak some of me in, if you will. And isn't that the definition of separation, withholding a little bit of love? And, yes. and so as soon as I made a conscious decision to withhold from giving back totally this unconditional love, to God, if you will, I, I veered out of the light. And, and, and once I veered out, I was in uh, uh, a gray zone. You know, it's, it's been described by many. It was, was kind of like uh, one of the descriptions I read that, you know, huddled masses of people just working and struggling and toiling and uh, um, all in spirit form. And, and, you know, they look miserable, depressed, and just going about daily life and, and kind of like our world today and um and uh mm-hmm. and i remember i had my etheric kind of body there then the arms and legs and i remember saying at that point um oh you know because i was no longer in the light it was no longer being bathed with this unconditional love i i said uh 
God, uh, remember that thing about wanting to die? I said, I have changed my mind, and um, uh, let me go back, and I'll work on that little attachment issue I have. And uh, <laughs> So I kind of asked to go back. I, I no longer wanted to be out there. I, I didn't mind when I was going into the light. but uh, So I, I think in some sense uh, I, I made a choice, but it wasn't, I wasn't aware of what I was choosing. I, I was trying to take me with you, and it turns out you, you can't really take you with you or any form of the ego uh, in my current understanding of the um, evolving meaning of uh, my, my experience. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think you can take really any of the ego into the light. Mm. So many people, when they talk about... Um uh, what happens when we die, they just assume that we are going to be exactly the same ego-wise, intellect-wise, and so forth, and that we're just uh, operating on the other side as if we were totally separate individuals. And I, I think your story in particular really points out the, the necessity to give up a lot of that, may, and maybe all of it. Well, it was, but I, was whole, I had my whole spirit being, if you will, for so much of the experience, so I think that 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 capacity to um, have some form of separate sense of self in the spirit world is 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 really the way it is. But I don't think that, from my experience, Lee, that is still not in the light, if you will. It's still not one. One what I what I got from it is one is one, and and that. Um, there is no, uh, you know, bunch of parts of, of one. One is one, you know, it, it be, you become that love. And, uh, and it is what was being shown to me, and it's fully conscious. You're fully aware of everything. I mean, it's super aware of everything, but it, the part that is the separate self, if you will, from, from my experience, Lee, uh, you can't take that with you. Mm. So, But if you want to be on... This side of it, I think. I think there's a place and space that you can have that separate, you know, sense. It, it always gets tricky with um, spirit lovers, you know, to, to what how we define things. So I use the term spirit to mean one, the one. And then when I talk about the individualized uh, sense of spirit, I usually refer to that as the soul. And and so as the soul is making its progress towards the light. You know, you still have this sense of separateness in, in spirit. We see your loved ones. You see, you know, different people and stuff. And I, I didn't see any loved ones. Of course, I didn't have any loved ones that had had made their transition yet. Uh, and uh, but um, uh, the uh, I I think there's room for both. But I'm, my understanding of what I learned is that as I was going into the light. Uh, the uh, vestiges of separate self, sense of self to me were, were gone, but all the time my consciousness was increasing and, and, and becoming more aware. And I, I just, uh, you know, I was 20 years old. Mm. I didn't want to give what, it up yet. <laughs> in, your, in your first experience when you saw Jesus and the symbol of the Sacred Heart, did you yeah. feel that, that there was something... Um, did you ever sense that this second experience was a gift from Jesus or that it was related in any way to Christianity? Um, I, I, I did, and, and that's why I asked the, the final question I asked about, 
you know, is it uh, is there uh, some kind of exclusive rights, if you will? Uh, and um, the answer is very clear that everyone's okay. Oh, no good. Nobody has exclusive. So uh, I I really look back on that, um, and and one of the things that really struck me with that was as soon as I got afraid. Um, when I saw Jesus, when I got afraid, because um, uh, I had been bad-mouthing the dude. I, I mean, I, I was pretty vehemently uh, anti-everything of the Church as as I was learning life. Um, the, the way I was brought up, uh, you know, I kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater. And uh, mm. uh, and so, I, you know, I when I saw Jesus, Jesus, it's, it's him, you know, I, I, I got scared. And so the big the big take home for me was that fear ends spiritual experience and that that you can't you know perfect love casts out fear you can't get there through fear and um it, 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 there's there's that baseline of uh thinking that um um somehow you can be hurt and you you can't really be hurt there's spirit is forever. It's, it doesn't die. It, 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 you know. So anyway, it, it, um, one of the things that uh, uh, I learned is that uh, in my time in, in rural Alaska, um, uh, one of the things I learned is that um, the sacred stories of our life are meant to evolve with us as we evolve. And once mm-hmm. we freeze the meaning of something, um, kind of entropy sets in. So I, what what that first experience kind of um, has meant a lot of things to me, but one of the take homes was that you know fear is a real problem in uh, in um, discerning uh, meaning of these things, and 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 when when I know that when I look at life and I put on my lenses of fear, things get pretty distorted pretty quickly, and. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I think we have to uh, let our sacred stories of our life continue to speak to us and not say, well, this is what it means, and then lock it into something, because then, then we kind of freeze, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the, we, we freeze the evolution of meaning for us. Because to, 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 a good sacred sure. story will, will speak volumes to you through your whole life. Now, was was it after your second experience that you got interested in Going to Alaska and uh, working with the uh, Native Americans there. Yeah, that's that's correct. Uh, it was 1974, and uh, unlike you know many people that didn't tell anyone, uh, when I had this second experience, I I thought I was the only one in the world that had this experience, and um, uh, you know because there was no books or anything, the, the term had not been coined yet. So the first person I ran to was my girlfriend and said, "Hey, I just saw God," and it's uh. It's it's amazing, I, you know, went on and on. She goes, "Oh, you're just projecting unmet psychological needs," and and so you know we broke up. And it, it just uh, I I was going around talking to people and telling them what happened. And 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 what, a friend of mine who's a psychologist said, "You know, Chris, uh, people are saying you're crazy," and and um, I guess it did sound like crazy talk back then. So. Uh, it was shortly thereafter that I decided to uh, hitchhike to Alaska, and um, I had a friend up on Kodiak who said I could come visit him. Uh, I thought I'd stay here, get a job, pipeline, and stuff, and uh, do that kind of thing. So I had a remarkable um, experience. 
Did you, uh, over the years, have you, um, uh, learned much, um, more? You, you had mentioned sacred stories. The, do the, uh, Native Americans in Alaska have, um, uh, something, or did they have something to teach you as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was so blessed, uh, um, in, uh, returning to Alaska in 86 to, to start working in the Alaska tribal health system and, uh, um, made a career out of it, and uh, you know, it was. Um, uh, I started off working with the Inupiaq people, and uh, some of the the stories, the sacred stories, were just incredibly rich. Um, I I got to speak to an old uh, elder. He was a hundred years old, and uh, uh, he he talked about um, half man, half polar bear. It was just uh, just wonderful stories, and then then we left. Uh, uh, Barrow and went to Bethel and, and, and I got an opportunity to work with the Yupik people and uh, um, uh, there was uh, that's where I, I got a story a sacred story uh, from the Yupik people that uh, was kind of a gift uh, to hear uh, I, I, I don't know how, how we do it on time Lee. we have uh, about four minutes but take take it if you can use it uh, to tell the story. Yeah, well, basically, basically, it's where I got the thing of evolution. I was teaching a class on death and grief and healing, and and, uh, um, and I invited uh, Elsie, a nurse, a Yupik nurse, who had tra- was the last person to translate, uh, was the first person to translate this sacred story into English, and uh, uh, Andrew Kinsey was the last speaker out in St. Mary's. And, and he, um, it was a story about a girl who returned from the dead, and there's this whole... Um, you know, metaphysics of how she showed up in the men's house and she gave uh, a talk about the gift-giving ceremony uh, when you give, you know, uh, uh, to the namesakes, which is a whole cosmology that I'll, I'll explain in, in San Antonio there. But anyway, um, uh, after after she told the story, I interpreted it, and she put her eyebrows down. And in Yupik culture, putting your eyebrows down is really a sign of, hey, you did something wrong. I said, Elsie, what did I? What? What's with the eyebrows? I've been here eight years. You just gave me the eyebrow, and she said, "Well, you said what the story meant." And I said, "Well, what's wrong with that?" She goes, "You just never say what the story means." I said, "Why not?" And she goes, "Because the student may think that's all the story is ever going to mean." I said, "Elsie, are you saying that our sacred stories have to evolve with us?" She goes, "Yeah," and and that's where I learned that from her. It was a real gift to uh, learn that you know don't freeze the meaning of something, say this is what something means. You have to let it evolve and speak to you as you as you evolve. And so that's, yeah, ter- that, that's terrific. Yeah. You know what I love about that is the fact that our shows and these NDE stories that people tell us are are archived and they are stories that people can listen to and meditate on. Uh, yours is going to be one of them of course. Um, you mentioned that you're going to be in San Antonio, and uh, you'll be talking about this. Um, it's uh, it's going to be great to uh, to uh, hear your more perhaps more of these sacred stories, uh, yeah. and I certainly look forward to it. And I hope our listeners will be there to meet you and talk and, and talk with you further. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, to add to this? No, I, I appreciate this, Lee. I, we, we, I met you years ago at Denver. I am in the We've talked a couple times, so finally we were able to do this. So thanks for the opportunity, Ali, to uh, share the story. And if anyone's interested in uh, a little bit more on it, yeah. um, 
You, you know, your story of all of all that happened in Denver at that conference was the one that was most memorable to me. <laughs> Somehow or other, we wound up on the same bus. I think we were the only people on that bus, yeah. and we got into this conversation, and it stayed with me as one of the most powerful stories that I've heard. So I, I do thank you for now doing this show, and and I look forward to seeing you again in in uh, San Antonio. Chris, are there any? Uh, is there an email address where listeners could get in touch with you if they had any further questions? Sure, my my AOL. I still have old my old AOL one. It's uh, L like uh, Liam, C like Chris, and my last name Devlin. LC Devlin at AOL.com. I, I don't have a website, and I haven't written anything yet, but I think I will. But oh, I think you should. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're just about out of time for today, but my thanks to Chris Devlin for sharing his NDE story and how it helped to shape his life. I hope you'll be able to come meet him, meet him and hear him speak at the upcoming IONS conference in San Antonio. If you would like to listen to this show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IONS, please check that website at iands.org. There will be information on that site about how our, uh, about our upcoming Labor Day weekend conference in San Antonio, Texas on NDEs as rites of passage from September 3rd through 6th. And Chris will be there and I look forward to seeing you all there as well. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening. <laughs>